Father, we thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come together and, Lord, to, to draw close to you and that we, um, we have that, that wonderful privilege and honor to draw close to you, Lord, and to come with confidence and, and boldness to the throne of grace. Father, thank you for our time of worship and bless the worship team, Lord Jesus, and bless every person here this morning, bless all those who are serving in our Kingdom Kids Ministry and Safety Net and Multimedia and all across, ushers and greeters. And so, Father, I just pray that you would bless them. Father, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. Praise in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to 1 John, the Epistle of John, not the Gospel of John, but the Epistle of John, uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And we're now in part 15 of our series, Authentic, Say Authentic. More enthusiasm, please. Authentic, yeah. I want to make sure you're awake this morning, okay? And before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from verses 6 through 12 of this chapter. And I gave you two points. You might remember the sermon uh, in verses 6 through 12. And the first point I gave was three that testify. Say that. Three that testify. And that's verses 6 through 8 of this chapter. And there, John, what he does, he points out uh, the three historical realities that testify of the fact that Jesus Christ is totally unique as the Son of God. And there we see the witness, a witness, of water, which happened at Jesus' baptism, and that was the inauguration, in other words, the beginning of his public ministry. And, and then we see the witness of blood, say blood, which was the consummation, the end of his public ministry. So the water and blood is the external witness concerning Jesus Christ. And then we see the witness of the Holy Spirit, which refers to the person and work of Jesus Christ, and that as we hear and as we read the truth about Jesus Christ, what the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit brings a, a powerful witness to our soul that this is the very truth of who Jesus is. And this is the internal, say internal, ministry of the Holy Spirit. So the water and blood is the external witness concerning Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is the internal witness concerning Jesus Christ. Then John says, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. Say agreement. So the water and the blood, external witness, and the Spirit, Holy Spirit, internal witness, are in agreement. In other words, their, their witness stands in absolute agreement. They're, they're on the same page. They speak one with one voice, they testify to the same truth. They're united in the testimony concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ. The second point was the testimony of God. Say that. And that's verses 9 through 12. And John is simply saying that since we accept human testimony, we should accept divine testimony all the more because God's testimony is greater. Do I have a witness on that? Amen? That we have the most reliable testimony uh, possible about Jesus Christ, and that is the witness of God. Then John says, anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his or her heart, referring to the inward, say inward, witness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inwardly witnesses to the truth of our salvation. Got it? John then says that when we refuse to accept and believe 
God's testimony concerning his son, we are in turn calling God a liar. And when we call God a liar, we're calling his integrity into question and condemn ourselves in our unbelief. John then, John then gives the content of God's testimony, and that is that we cannot separate eternal life from the person of Jesus Christ. He says, and this is the testimony, God's testimony. Here it is. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has a Son has what? Life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This now brings us to today's text, and the title of my message today is Certainty and Confidence. Everyone say that. Today's text is an amazing text. I love this text. And in the text, John shows us the certainty of salvation and the confidence of answered prayer. You guys with me? Five points from today's text, if you're ready, say yes. Number one is this, our association. Say that. Our association. Write that down. And we're going to look at verse 13a. When I say 13a, a is referring to the very first part of that verse. And John writes, I write these things. Now, the King James renders it as these things I have written. Now, we'll stop there. What are these things that John has written? Well, these things refer back to everything that John has written in his letter. And he's simply saying that the main reason he wrote this letter was to show the believers the absolute certainty about their salvation, certainty about them having eternal life. Let's read on. I write these things to you who believe, say believe, in the name of the Son of who? God. So John is making our association clear here, right? Okay, he's identifying who he's writing to. That's believers. That's us, say us. Those of us who are connected to Christ, those of us who identify with Christ, those of us who are in Christ, those of us who are born of God. So to you who believe, say believe, in the name of the Son of God. Now remember, we should know this, right, about the word believe. The word believe is not just head knowledge. It's not just agreeing with. It's confidence. It's trust. It conveys the idea of clinging, to trust in, to rely upon. It means to put your full weight on something. And it's speaking of a total commitment to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's a committal of one's life to Him. It's submitting one's life to Him as Lord. It's completely entrusting our soul, our life to Jesus. I also want to point out the word believe there in the text here, in the text, is in the present tense and also in the active voice, which would read like this. You who are believing. Got that? You who are believing. And this is very important, and I'll, let, and I'll tell you why. This is not just referring to a moment in time in the past. Well, you know, I believed when I came forward and accepted Jesus Christ into my life. Okay, that has more to do than just when we believe, when we were converted. You see, if we're really converted, if we are truly saved, then we're still believing. That's his point, because true saving faith perseveres. Now, our faith may weaken at times, right? Our faith may grow weary at times, but it will never fracture and go away. 
Follow me. If we're true believers right now, if we're true believers right now, then we'll be believers for the rest of our lives. That's what John's driving at. You guys got it? Let's go back to the text. To you who believe in the name of the Son, say, say name. Come on, say name. Name represents all that a person is, and we believe in all that Christ is, don't we? We're associated with Christ. We identify with Christ. We believe in all that he is, referring to the person and work of Jesus Christ. The person refers to his eternal deity and his sinless humanity. That's what his person refers to. Jesus is fully God, and Jesus is fully man. The work refers to his perfect obedience and his substitutionary death and his resurrection. That we know as believers that Jesus lived a perfect life, right? And he died for us and he rose from the dead. That's the person and work of Jesus Christ. So here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? Okay, here we go. We believe in the living Savior. Okay? The living Savior. In other words, we're associated, we're connected to, we're, we're linked uh, to the living Savior. Why? Because we believe in the Son of God. Now listen, a Savior who's still dead can't save us, right? But we, as believers, we believe in the Savior who's alive. And we, as Christians, believe because the Word of God is very clear that the tomb is empty. And also that Jesus is no longer hanging on the cross. Amen? That's what it is to believe in the name, say, in the name of Jesus. We believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's our association. Say that. Number two is our assurance. Say that. Our assurance. Write that down. And let's it's, write that down. We'll move on to verse 13b. He says, so that, so that, so here's the purpose for which it was written, so that you, speaking of who? Believers, right? Those associated with Jesus those who identify with Jesus, may know. May what? Say no. Remember, this is, this is the key word, right? We, we already settled this in the beginning of this series, the key word in this letter. John uses the word no 40 times, okay? The word no stresses a full assurance of present certainty. Write that down. A full assurance of present certainty. Certainty. That's what the word no stresses here in the text. A full assurance, a present certainty. So that you, believers, may know, right? Full assurance, present certainty, that you have. Say have. Have means to lay a hold of something. It means hold something fast in the grip of your hand. That, that you lay hold of. You guys got it? So that you, so that, here's the purpose which he has written this, you believers, those associated with Jesus, may know, right, full assurance, present certainty, that you have, you hold grip to this, hold on to this, what? Eternal life. Did you get it? Now if you're safe, say amen. Notice it doesn't say that we will have eternal life. Rather we, what? Have eternal life. It's in the present tense. In other words, if you're saying, say amen, come on. Right now, church, Christians, we have eternal life. We have it. 
Okay, we're not waiting to receive it at the end of our lives. We, we have it right now. We receive eternal life as a present possession at the very moment of our salvation. The present tense in the Greek indicates that Christians continually possess eternal life. Now, now say eternal life. The meaning of eternal life is twofold. And, and this is very important to know in having the assurance of our salvation. First of all, it means a dynamic and new quality of life. Just write that down. It means a dynamic and new quality of life. One more time. A dynamic and new quality of life. You see, friends, the life, the life that we will have in eternity has already been deposited within us. Eternal life lives in us now before we live in eternity. Therefore, we have a life unlike anything that this world could ever give us. Let me put it this way. It is an out-of-this-world life. Eternal life is an out-of-this-world life that is inside of us while we're in this world. Got it? It's an out-of-this-world life that is inside of us while we're in this world. Follow me. Eternal life is new life while we're in this old world. It's spiritual life while we're in this physical world. It's resurrection life while we're living in this dying world. It's supernatural life while we're living in this natural world. It's heavenly life while we're living in this earthly existence. If you got it, so you got it. The life of Christ, Christ in us, Christ living inside of us, that means that eternal life produces a changed life. If he's living in us, then eternal life means what? A changed life, correct? It produces a Christ-like life, a, a godly life, a holy life, a righteous, loving life, a God-honoring, God-fearing, God-glorifying life. It produces a transformed life. You see, eternal life, salvation, is confirmed by a new changed life. That's the assurance of our salvation, that Jesus is in our lives, right? Right? And it's a life completely unlike the life we used to live. That's salvation. That's eternal life, that your life has been changed. Amen? So eternal life is a dynamic and new quality life, but it's also an unending life. Amen? Eternal life. Eternal life is not for a season. Eternal life, listen now, will go on forever. Amen? We'll spend all of eternity with Jesus. So here's a lesson. I gave this to you last week, not through the lesson, but I just, I did share this phrase with you. The lesson is this. Here we go. Ready? Eternal life is a present reality and a future certainty. Eternal life is a present reality, I love that, and a future certainty. We have Christ in us now, if you believe that, say amen. And we will live with him forever when we leave this life on earth, right? That's assurance of our salvation. Now let's go back to the text. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, say no, that you have eternal life, so that you may know Okay? Say, I may know. 
Okay, I may know. That means a full assurance, a, a present certainty that you may know. It doesn't say that you will always feel, okay, because we can't trust our feelings, right? That you may what? Know, okay? We need to live with our, listen, we need to live our Christian life not on subjective feelings, but on objective truth. Notice John says, I write these things to you. That's, he wrote down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right, to write these things down. It's God's truth. As Christians, we can know as a fact, know intuitively that we have eternal life. We have assurance, and I know that I know, of our salvation. Amen? Warren Wiersbe said this, Christian assurance is not a matter of working up a religious emotion. It is simply a matter of taking God at his word. Don't you love that? Now follow me here. John wrote this letter not so we could hope that we have eternal life, not so that we could be pretty sure that we have eternal life. No, he wrote this letter to help us know. Full assurance, amen? Full assurance that we may know, know that we have eternal life. He wants us to be sure, to have the certainty that you and I are saved. Amen? So that's our assurance. Say our association. Say our assurance. Number three is our access. Say that. Our access. I'm loving this. Aren't you loving this? Now look at verse 14a with me. This is the confidence. Say that. This is what he says. We have an approaching God. Let's go back to the previous verse. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know, you may know, believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have what? Eternal life. Because we believe in the name of the Son, because we're saved, okay, because we know we have eternal life, because the certainty of salvation and eternal life, because of that, we can draw near to God. You guys with me? We can go before Him with confidence and present our petitions, our requests, before God. Now, once you write this down, some of you are very familiar with this verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews 4, verse 16. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So, listen, friends, we can come to God. If we're saved now, amen, we're saved, we can come to God with confidence knowing that we are accepted and received and that God is ready to hear our request, ready to hear our petitions. Isn't that awesome? So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Come to God. Just come to God. Every day we should approach God. Every day of our lives we should come to God. We should never be reluctant to come before God in prayer. You guys with me? He desires that we come to Him he wants us to come to him. He wants that. It blesses, it blesses him when we come to him. I mean, parents, don't you love it when your kids come to you? Amen. Get this. When we draw near, he inclines his ear to us. 
And so as you draw near and draw near, he inclines his ear to hear our petition, to hear our requests, to hear our prayers. Our association, our assurance, our access, we, we approach him, right? We come to him. Number four is our appeal. Write that down. Say that. Write that down. And before we even read the text, before we go forward in the text, I, wanna, I, want, I want to quickly give you a list of the things that can hinder our prayers and the list of things that can help our prayers. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, okay? There are many more, but I'm just going to give you a few. So, first of all, things that hinder our prayers. First one is this, no relationship with Jesus. Say that. No relationship with Jesus. If you're not, if you're not saved and your prayers feel like they're going nowhere, it's because they're not. You guys with me? It doesn't matter how sincere you are. The only prayer that God hears and responds to of a non-believer is the prayer of repentance, the prayer of salvation. So no relationship with Jesus. Another thing that, that hinders our prayer is this, not asking. Not asking. And we know the familiar verse, James 4, right? James 4, 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. You have not because you ask not. F.B. Meyer said this, the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Unoffered prayer. And sometimes, let's be honest, church, come on, Christians, our mindset is, well, since God already knows and sees our needs, huh? No, we don't have to ask him. Not true. Not true. We need to ask. He's our father. We need to ask. Amen. Why? Well, first, because he commands us through his word to ask, to seek him and ask him, to approach him. And second, when we ask, what we're doing is we're exercising our faith, our trust, our dependence upon him. Amen? You see, God's not going to answer anything that hasn't been offered up. It needs to be offered up. So we need to give our request to him daily. Amen? No relationship with Jesus, not asking. Another one is sin. That's obvious, right? Sin. Sin will result in powerless prayers. It will. Sin keeps us from being connected to God. It, it hinders our fellowship, our, our communion with him. Not our union, but our communion with him. And you see, part of communion with God is what? Prayer. Isn't that Right? But if there's some lingering sin in our lives, friends, unconfessed sin, God will not hear our prayers. In Psalm 66, verse 18, the psalmist writes this, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. No relationship with Jesus, not asking sin. How about this one, doubt? Doubt hinders our prayers. Back to James. Back to James 1, verses 6 through 8. James 1 Verses 6 through 8, James writes, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Okay, back and forth. Verse 7, that person, that person he's talking about, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And he says this, such a person is double-minded. It's like a two-headed monster going in two different directions and unstable in all they do. So when we come to God, listen now, with doubt in prayer, to God in prayer with doubt, 
what we're essentially saying to God is just, God, I really don't trust you. I really don't trust you. So no relationship with Jesus, not asking, sin, doubt. How about this, wrong motives? Huh, wrong motives. Wrong motives. And back to James, James chapter 4, verse 3. James 4, verse 3. We covered the book of James about two and a half years, three years ago or so, right? James 4, 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so we as believers, as we come to God in prayer, we need to ask ourselves, why am I praying for this? What's my motive? What will I do with the answer when it comes? Follow me here. We ask God for good health, right? But will we use that strong, healthy body for his service? We ask God for a better job. We ask God for a better pay. But will we give to support the work here at Crowd Christian Fellowship? We ask God for a bigger home. But will we open our home for a home fellowship or a home Bible study group? You see, we must never, say never, pray simply for something so that we can consume the answer on ourselves. We must remember God in it all. Amen? So those are the things that, is, again, it's not an exhaustive list, there are many more. Those are the things that hinder our prayers. I want to show you the things that help our prayers. You guys ready? Here we go. God's Word. Say that. God's Word. The Gospel of John. John 15, 7. Same guy that wrote the Gospel of John wrote the Epistle of John, right? If you remain, John 15, 7, if you remain in me, Jesus says, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. So we got to stay connected to the Word of God. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on that down the line here. Okay? God's word, next one is faith. Faith helps our prayers. Faith is, you know, faith is simply trusting God. That's all it is. It's just simply trusting God, even when we don't see how it's all going to work out. Okay? But it, it helps to say, God, I, I trust you. I don't see it all. I can't figure it out, Lord, but I'm going to pray. I just trust you. I have faith. Another, another thing that helps our prayers is patience. Patience. Oh, boy, don't we need patience. Because sometimes the answer isn't really a no. Maybe it's a not yet. Yeah? And you hear me say this many times. God answers our prayers in one of four ways. Yes, no, wait, and my grace is sufficient. Yes, no, wait, and my grace is sufficient. So wait actively. In other words, what I mean by that is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and wait for his answer, not yours. Amen? God's word, faith, patience. How about this? Obedience. Say obedience. And when I mean by obedience, this is what I mean. Right living. Because right living and answered prayer go hand in hand. You guys get that? Psalm 34, 15, which is the verse for our church. Cry out here. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry, to their prayer. Got that? Right living and answered prayer go hand in hand. So God's word, say God's word. Say faith. Come on, say patience. Say obedience. And how about this? Pray according to God's will. 
which takes us right to the text. You guys ready? Verse 14b in the text. That if we ask anything, now, now say anything. What does anything mean? Anything means anything, right? Whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whether it's personal, whether it's relational, whether it's financial, whether it's, whether it's vocational, whether it's big or small. Which in reality, everything we ask for is small compared to our great, awesome, omnipotent, sovereign God, right? Even what you think is big, it's small compared to him. I mean, he spoke the world into existence. Right? Right? So, John's saying we can ask anything. But, here's the qualifier. That if we ask anything, here we go, according to his will. He hears us. You guys get that? Because a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people don't want to hear that. Okay? All right? Okay, this is a great qualifier because we don't want our will. We want his will. You see, John believed in prayer. He worked at prayer and, and knew how prayer worked. And prayer is a means of obtaining the will of God and is limited always by his will and by his purpose. And if we pray outside of God's will, there's no assurance that God will answer. And by the way, friends, if God would exchange his will for our will, not good. Not a good thing, amen, because our will is extremely inferior to his will. His will is greater, amen? Now, if you're safe, say amen. I want to say this. Prayer, prayer is not to change the will of God, okay? It's to change our will and to bring our will, listen now, into submission, say, say submission, to his will. Because why? Because Romans 12, 2, we know this, right? Romans 12, 2 says that God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Not our will. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Don't you want that in your life? Huh? Amen? Listen, if we ask God for something, Christians, we must ask with the mindset of surrender. Say that. Say surrender. It's a good word. It should be asked with surrender to his will. Now, I want you to write this down. I'm going to read it to you, okay? John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, the Gospel of John. And I want to read it to you because I want to point something out. It says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Jesus says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus says this, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, now, now some Christians misinterpret this verse, and, and they ask and they claim certain things in the name of Jesus without really understanding the implications here. Follow me here, because the qualifier there in that verse, John 4, 14, uh, chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, the qualifier here is in his name. Say in his name, which is Actually, the same qualifier as according to his will. Stay with me. When we do something in the name of someone else, we're representing them, right? Right? For example, a lawyer comes. A lawyer comes in the name of the client he or she is representing. An ambassador comes in the name of the leader of the nation who sent him or her, right? Follow me. In Jesus' name means everything I present to him in prayer is representative of his heart. 
not my heart. Amen? In other words, I prayed in accordance to his will. Confidence of answered prayer is qualified by only one condition. Our request must be according to his will. Amen? It's a surrendering to his will, not our will. In his name, Jesus' name, means everything that's consistent with his nature and character. Amen? Consistent with his will. Now, I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want to make sure that I'm on the same page, that I'm in alignment, <laughs> alignment with God. I want to make sure that I'm not pulling God to me, but that I'm pulling myself to him. Another thing, and I want to say this, we got to be very, very careful that we don't approach God demanding things from him. Are you guys with me? Treating him like some genie, you know? We ask with a submissive, surrendered heart and will to him. Amen? You see, it's all about our attitudes, the attitude. When we come to God in prayer with a submissive, surrendered heart, he's going to hear our prayers. And he's going to bless our lives. Do I have a witness? So, so we pray, right? We, we lay our requests, we lay our needs and our desires before God. But remember, we should always end our prayer, our prayers, just like Jesus did in Mark 14, 36. What did Jesus say? Not my will be done, but your, Father, your will be done. It's all about his will, not mine, not yours. Back, now let's go. Lord's Prayer. Okay, Matthew, write it down. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Matthew 6, 9 through 10. And we broke down the Lord's Prayer a long time ago. We did a series on the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9 through 10. Our Father, art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your what? Will on earth as it is in heaven. If you got it, say got it. It tells us that we are to filter every single request through the will of God. Got it? So to pray according to his will means to pray with a surrendered will, but it also means to pray, okay, pray what aligns with his word. You're praying what aligns up with his word. We are to never pray for anything that does not line up with his word. Okay? It should always line up with his word. So when we pray, we should ask or be asking ourselves, does it glorify the name of God? As I'm praying in my time of prayer, i got to ask myself what I'm praying for, does it glorify the name of God? I've got to ask ourselves, will it bring glory to his name? Ask ourselves, will it, what I'm praying for, will it advance God's kingdom on this earth? Ask ourselves, hey, are, are, are my requests according to his will and to his word? And ask ourselves, is this, is it what I want or, or what God wants? And sadly, we as believers have made so many mistakes. We, we've, we've made some major moves and done some things 
because it was our will. It was wrong. It was our will, not God's will. We must ask ourselves, is it what I want or is it what God wants? Say our association. Say our assurance. Say our access. Our appeal. Number five is our accommodation. Or we could put our answer. Our accommodation. Okay. Verse 15. You guys still with me? Okay. Verse 15. We're almost done here. And what I love about this, John, what he does, simply he affirms what he just said in the previous verse. Right? You look at that. So he says, and, say and, that word means, see that this verse, verse 15, is connected to the previous verse. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, previous verse says what? According to what? Get that? Don't forget that. Okay? We know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, again, whatever we ask according to his will, we know that we have what we asked of him. Again, this doesn't imply that God gives everything that we ask for. Okay, and I thank him for that. Okay. But that we have confidence. Say confidence. Confidence. He will supply our needs when we pray according to his will for our lives. Now, I've said this a couple of times uh, here at Cry Out, but I want to say it. If, if, our, if our request is wrong, God says no. If our timing is wrong, God says slow. If we're wrong, God says grow. If the request is, is right and the timing is right and we're right, living right, God says go. Amen? I'm going to wrap this up, and I love it. It's a prayer of an unknown Confederate soldier. And it reads like this. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but got everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all people. Most richly blessed. If you're safe, say amen. We can live with the certainty of our salvation and confidence in answered prayer. We pray according to his will. Let's all stand.